Welcome to Friday's Child the Podcast, formerly known as Life School ME. When I started Life School back in June 2019, my vision for where I wanted to take the podcast and how it would grow was not 100% clear. I knew I wanted to interview inspiring women and share their stories, but there was no grand plan. And that's okay. I'm a firm believer in starting before you're ready. But after falling pregnant with my beautiful daughter Mavia and deciding to focus on the world of bumps and babies for series two, I discovered a new passion for all things related to pregnancy and birth. The things I learned about the female body and birth during my pregnancy journey have changed me forever and ignited a newfound passion and love for this subject matter. So Life School has been reborn as Friday's Child and during this series I will be talking to first-time mums, childbirth educators and industry experts on all things motherhood. Whether you're newly pregnant, a first-time mum, or maybe you just want to find out more about the world of babies and motherhood, I hope you enjoy listening to my wonderful guests and that hopefully you can take away some helpful information and insights. Now let's get on with the show. My guest today is Nikki Oliver, aka The Fit Midwife. Nikki is a UK and UAE registered midwife and pre and postnatal fitness coach. If you're currently pregnant and not already following Nikki on Instagram, I urge you to go and check out her page, The Fit Midwife, as her content is super informative and she is brilliant at tackling those taboo postpartum topics that just don't get spoken about enough. Now let's get on with this episode. Here's my conversation with Nikki Oliver, aka The Fit Midwife. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, so most people know you on Instagram as the fit midwife. Um, if you're not already following Nikki, go and check her out. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about your background? What brought you to Dubai and how you support women and their little ones in the region? So I've been in Dubai four and a half years. Um, I'm a British trained midwife. I trained in Manchester in the UK um, and worked there for a few years. And I got quite um, bogged down, I guess, by the NHS. It's very um, overstretched and sometimes it was difficult to provide woman-centered care. And I just fancied a bit of a change of scenery. Um, so came over here for two weeks on my 30th birthday to have, you know, holiday of a lifetime and decided why not give it a go here. So I came over here um, in 2016 now, yeah, and um, have worked in three hospitals since, three different hospitals in Dubai. Um, and I think I'm here for the foreseeable. Um, midwifery here has been very different, mm. very, very different. Um, we're not autonomous practitioners, so everything here is physician-led. And there is no um, option to have a midwife-led pregnancy, despite incredible amounts of evidence showing that it's actually beneficial on so many levels. Um, and it's quite um, sad sometimes that a lot of midwives only meet women when they're in labor. Mm. Um, and so I started the Fit Midwife probably after about six months here, give or take, um, because I've always always loved like education side of things, but also very into fitness. And I noticed there was a bit of a gap here in just general information and um, almost like wrapping cotton wool around women instead of getting them to move and keep fit and keep healthy safely. A lot of the advice was just don't do it. Mm. Um, so now I do still work in a hospital on a sort of flexible part-time basis um, as a midwife in a labor, labor ward. And I also do pre and postnatal personal training uh, with like a focus on sort of rehab, prehab and rehab of pregnancy. Um, and also sort of private one-to-one midwifery support. So whether that is antenatal education, birth planning, um, breastfeeding visits, just general postnatal visits, just to 
check everything's okay mm. and give some reassurance. Um, so kind of different, many different rules, many different plates. I wish I had met you when I was pregnant because <laughs> I I stayed relatively active. I mean, I didn't do anything that I wasn't doing before. So I walked yeah. a lot. But it's yeah. not if you if you're not working out regularly when you're pregnant, it's not the time to sort of like start something drastically new. Without, yeah. Not without a good support. Yeah. And that usually means more than going to a class. If you're gonna start something in your pregnancy, um, fitness-wise, that you've never done before, you've maybe done a couple of times, you are better off investing in a personal trainer because you can get that one-to-one sort of attention. Whereas in a class, many people can get lost yeah. in a class. And you might look like you're doing it right, but actually if someone's just having a quick glance, you can't always pick up the finer things that we need to tune in pregnancy. Yeah, completely. And I I walked a lot and I was I was very fortunate. I had a really positive birth. But the aftermath, because <laughs> I wasn't fit, even now as I'm sitting here, because it's the end of the day, my back and I went to a physio sort of two months after I'd had my little girl because I, I genuinely thought there was something wrong with my back. And the physio yeah. said, to be honest, there's nothing really wrong with your back. You just have such a weak core that it's hurting when you when you overdo it. And there, obviously there are stretches and things you can do, but you just need to get fitter. And I wish I'd know more because it's not all the time, but like at the end of the day, like now my back is just <laughs> killing me. And it's so important because it's not just about the labor. It's about afterwards. The labor is a day. If you're lucky, some people it's two days. Um, but it's afterwards that you really need that strength. And I wish I had yeah. invested oh, yeah. a bit more in that. Yeah. It's something that's still relatively, I don't want to say relatively new. People have been working out in their pregnancy for years, but it's always um, been sort of a taboo subject in that people are like, oh, oh, you, you shouldn't lift that. And, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't break a sweat. You shouldn't jump. Mm. And actually, you know, you shouldn't run. But the worst thing people can do when they are used to doing something act, act, activity-wise is to stop doing that. Yeah. You know, I have clients who are triathletes and they're late into their pregnancy and they're, they're so active. Um, and I have people who just come and they say, like, I'm pregnant. I need to work on my health, work on my fitness, work on my strength. Mm. And it also sort of provides kind of that mental um it reinforces mentally that you actually are strong enough to do pretty much anything and go through pretty much anything yeah and come out the other side yeah it's it's so true and look i i can do something about it now um and i need to because it is a constant like ongoing issue um yeah. And now it's more just of a time thing, uh, but I know there are, there are things I can do, but I think it's so important to get yourself mentally and physically ready, not just for labor, but for afterwards, because then you're just holding a baby and they're heavy. And if you're breastfeeding and it's a, it's a big strain on your body. Yeah. There's, um, I, yeah, I agree. I, I don't really agree with people who push their training um, get fit for labor. Everyone's fit for labor. If you've got, you've got a uterus and there's a baby in it, you know, chances are you can push it out just fine. Um, there are certain situations where people need surgery. Fine. But everybody is fit yeah. for labor, fit for birth. Um, it is the after, aftermath, the after like the fourth trimester where you um, are then under different conditions massively. You are sleep deprived mums notoriously do not eat properly for about six months of their baby's life. The first six months they pick and, you know, mm -hmm. so you're sleep deprived, you're running low on fuel. Um, a lot of the, uh, recently, obviously we've been um, very, very cautious about who we, we are letting into our houses and who we're socializing with. We had lockdown. So, you know, your mental health takes a bit of a mm. dive as well. And your support system might have been planned and that might not have come to fruition with everything that's going on. So 
you need to kind of prepare yourself for that more than more than the birth i think because you're always going to be post postnatal you're always postnatal whether your baby's five days old five weeks old or you know 15 years old you are always in that postnatal period yeah that is so Uh, true so let's talk about this postpartum period so technically how long are you postpartum and in your experience what are the most common issues that you see sort of time and time again with women coming to you after they've had their babies so I mean there's no there's different suggestions of like when postpartum ends if for example in the UK if you were seeing if you had your baby and you went home you would be under midwifery care for about 28 days Hmm. And then you'd be discharged to a health visitor. Um, and but postnatal goes on as long as you go on, in my opinion, because there are always going to be potentially subsequent children, but there are always things that can happen to you during labor, during pregnancy, labor, birth, the initial you know, couple of weeks that stay with you and may come back whether it's physically or mentally, they may come back at a later stage in your life. So you're always within that postnatal sort of bubble, Mm. potentially at a different uh, point. Um, So usually um, the most common um, issues within the postnatal period are uh, feeding, breastfeeding um, struggles, infant feeding, you know, kind of not knowing what to do for the best. Um, Mm. That is a huge, huge issue. And that's got a huge impact on uh, women's mental health. So they may be mentally great and they get home from the hospital where they've not got that support anymore and they become anxious. And am I doing it right? Is the baby getting enough? Oh my gosh, I can't tell. There's no one Mm. here to ask. Um, so feeding is a is a huge issue for a lot of a lot of mums. Um, general, just healing of your body. Like, not many people tell you what your body is going to be like in those first few weeks. Like, when does your belly button go back to normal? Things as as simple as mm-hmm. that. Like the first period, the first wee, the first poo. Like, nobody tells you about these things and what to expect, and what's normal, and. Um, that can be really difficult for a lot of women. You know, they end up on Google and Dr. Google Dr. is possibly... Dr. Google, which can just be oh, so misleading in so many ways. Oh. Like if you Google any, any ailment, like nine times out of 10, it tells you you've got a brain tumor. You could have a sore toe and you, it would end up telling you you mm. have a brain tumor. Um, and so you have the common issues like that the common issues with things like caring for if you've had any um tearing or like stitches how do you know that's healing is it normal same with a a cesarean section wound site you know Mm -hmm. how do you look after that is it normal what do you look out for um and just general things about it's hard in the postpartum period because there's not a lot of hard and fast rules and some women are like when can I do this when can I do this when should I do this and it's like what's difficult is it's so individualized and when you have midwifery support in the postnatal period that midwife knows you and that midwife can go does it feel good for you do we tick off these boxes yeah great let's do this yeah it's Um, such a personal experience and everyone's different and mm -hmm. One of the things I love about your content is you really tackle those sort of like, I don't know, like the things that people might be a bit shy to talk about or just the things, as you say, that people don't talk about. Like I literally didn't go to the toilet properly for like four days. And I remember messaging my doctor like, is this normal? Like I want to go, but then I sit on the toilet and just nothing happens. Like I'm too scared to go. And yeah. luckily I had a really lovely doctor and she was like, yeah, don't worry, but we can give you something if you need, but it's totally normal. Um, you know, and just, just those sort of things that people don't talk about enough and just how you're going to feel. And I mean, the cluster feeding, like nobody told me about cluster feeding. Um, 
and the fact that when your milk comes in and it's not some people do not experience this but when your milk comes in it can that for me was more painful than labor I was like what is actually happening here I was terrified of her then feeding but I knew I needed to feed her the the baby blues were there and I was just like this is horrific. I think we've made a mistake here, babe. Like, this is awful. <laughs> um, you know, having not slept for three days because I was on such yeah. a high in the hospital and then I got home and I was like, oh my God, like this, this is intense. And I really wasn't, my mom had sort of warned me about when your milk comes in in the baby blues, but I was really like, wow. And I was lucky, you know, I didn't have, um, I didn't have surgery. I had like two really small stitches at the front. So I wasn't actually in lots of pain, but I still felt, felt like I've been through a war. I still oh, felt yeah. very, um, just very like vulnerable. And, and I remember thinking in those early days, like how do women cope who have had surgery or have had really bad tears? Cause like I'm okay. And I'm feel like I've been hit by a bus. So yeah. How do those women feel? Um, And here you don't really, and I've said this before on the podcast, we have every resource you can imagine here, but you have to put it in place. Like no one's going to come and just see you. Um, And I think that can be a little bit like, sometimes we leave it until we're really in a desperate situation before we reach out. And you must see that a lot. You must have women coming to you that, should have maybe reached out to you, you know, a couple of days or weeks before, but they've literally got to like the end of their tether. Oh yeah. And it's, um, it's hard because like you say, it's for you to put in place and like we have every resource here, you're right. But we also have very, very little um, regulation here and everybody and anybody can put specialist behind their name and run with it. There is zero regulation for maternity support services here. Um, you know, someone can say like, oh, I'm a breastfeeding specialist or, you know, I'm a postnatal fitness specialist. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot that people can go online and look and they can become very overwhelmed and like, well, who do I actually go to? And they might just be like, right, okay, well, I'll just give it another week and I'll see, I'll just see how I get on. But yeah, I get a lot of women coming to me at the end of their tether and they're just regardless of the reason. And I've actually been to, to see women on midwifery consultations and just been there, listened to them and said, you're doing really, really well. Mm. And that is often, that is all you need to tell a new mum and a new dad. Yeah. And you can, oh, see, them my goodness. You can see them visibly just go, <sighs> Yeah. Like I could literally cry right now. Like that is all you want to hear. You just want someone to tell you you're doing an amazing job. You've got this, you know, um, if it is actual advice you need, then great. But sometimes you just need that because in those early days, you're literally like, am I doing this right? Is this, is this not like, is this normal? Is this okay? Like you you don't have a clue. You literally don't have a clue. (laughs) Like parenthood, is like, if you looked up winging it in a dictionary, you should just have your parents there because that everyone's just doing what they think is best at that time for their family. Yeah. And it's how you learn as a parent. And I think so many people are very hard on themselves and, you know, you can read all the books you want in the world about getting ready for this baby. But the reality is when this baby comes, they don't care what you've read. They don't care what you had planned and what your schedule for them wanted, like was supposed to be. Like they will just exist and they'll do it in their own way. And you have to accommodate that as a parent. But it is, you may be winging it, but that is how you learn. Yeah, you're learning on the job. <laughs> Absolutely. Like what, there is no... Um, oh, sorry, go on, Nikki. Yeah, no, I was just going to say like the, there's a lot of books and things out there to help prepare you but there is literally your baby doesn't come with a manual. No. And I like to, I love like reading up on things and listening to podcasts and talking to other mums, but I learned very quickly to like kind of take everything and then use what I think is going to work, but just also listen to my instincts. Yeah. And it's very, um, I think we've taken away 
with um especially in sort of this kind of part of the world it's very medicalized and it's very doctor heavy and very oh well the scan says this or the you know we want to do this test we've stopped giving women the belief in their instincts and their bodies and like you we know you know what's happening with your own body and sometimes even if it's just you feel slightly off you know you're off and you don't know why mm. but i think the more um medicalized we get the less women rely on their bodies and their instincts and that is actually quite sad because yeah in, we're innately we're innately meant to do this yeah it's really it's really shocking and I was, I, I very early on wanted to do hypnobirthing. I didn't really know a lot about it, but I felt like, yeah, I think that's, that's going to really help me. I like the sound of it and it yeah. really did. And it wasn't all woo woo breathing. Like it, I learned so much yeah. about what actually happens when you're in labor and the different stages. And my husband learned so much and I really came away feeling like my body can do this. I know my options and I know that there's help there if I need it, but we are made to do this, but it's so sad that so many women are misguided and don't have yeah. that. And then it just kind of, the intervention just starts even without them really knowing. And then before oh, yeah. they know it, they're on this like wheel of intervention and it, yeah. and intervention sometimes can be fantastic, but. Oh, it's saving at times. Yeah, like, thank goodness Brilliant. we have it, but it's not and this it's, you must find this I speak to so many women here and they're literally like a day away from their due date and they're like oh yeah I'm gonna go in and get induced and it's like oh how come well my doctor just told me to come in and they're gonna induce me and it's like but okay um is there like a reason for that no they just said to come in and we're just gonna get things going and it's like oh but that could then send you on a completely different path when your baby might just come in a few few days yeah. naturally. Um, yeah. And, you know, then if you do need some help, fine. But it seems to just happen here. I don't know if it's like that in the UK, but I hear this all the time here. Not as much. Um, the induction rate here, we don't have any actual national statistics because they don't do anything like that. Um or if they do, they, they don't release that information. Um, but I can tell you as a midwife working in this country, the induction, unnecessary induction rates are astronomical mm. and often at doctor convenience. Um, but the thing is, I don't think people are, are still making, uh, they're not making the link yet between if you get induced and because it's it's one of those things that's become so almost common that people forget that it has risks and downsides and it has a prolonged effect on you so yeah. if you have this beautiful birth plan um that you want to adhere to as, as best you can within the parameters of your birth and you get induced people don't understand that making that choice then significantly can alter what they've planned. And when you have, when you do something hypnobirthing or you, you make a birth plan preferences list um, and you deviate from that without really understanding where you're going to deviate to or the experiences that are going to happen as a result of that, then you can enter the fourth trimester with a very, very negative birth experience. And that actually affects so many more things. It can affect your breast milk supply. It can affect your anxiety, your sleep, your stress levels, the ability to bond with your baby or yeah. to um, manage, you know, a newborn with your partner in a, in a way that works like working together. It can sort of affect that relationship and things like that can then take baby blues down a further road of towards the way of postpartum depression and anxiety. Like there are so many things that we don't think about before the birth that can affect you way into the fourth trimester. I could not agree more. And it is something I am so passionately obsessed with since having a baby, because for me, a positive birth, it's not natural. It doesn't matter how you have your baby. Having a positive oh, yeah. birth is you being in control of the decisions that yeah. you make. So if yeah. you want to have an elective C-section because that is the right decision for you, fantastic. 
and people think because I did hypnobirthing and I ended up having a natural birth that I harp on about positive birth that it's all about natural birth no it's about education because like you said if you go into this not knowing your options you never go into anything else involving surgery not knowing your options so why we do it with a baby I don't know and then as a consequence things things don't go to plan or you have a traumatic birth that can really have a negative impact on Mm. once your baby's here and the fourth trimester um and that's why I'm so, I don't know. I don't know what my path is in life. I've got no idea what I'm doing, but I am <laughs> obsessed with this. Like I want every woman to have a positive birth. And yeah. and I hear some really lovely stories where it didn't quite go to plan or there was intervention, but it was positive because the mum was like, and there was even ladies on my hypnobirthing course, which it didn't all go to plan, but they felt so good because they were like, when I was offered this, I knew what it was and I was happy to take it. And I felt in control. I felt calm. I knew my options yeah. and it was great. Yeah. And I felt really great. And as a result, they're having a really great first six months with their baby. Um, so let's talk about the fourth trimester. So what would you like mums listening to know about the fourth trimester? What What would you like them to be aware of if they haven't um, sort of read up on those first three months. So obviously, the first first three months, it's it's hard, and I don't want I don't want to say that to sort of freak people out, but it's not it's normal for it to be difficult. It's a transition for you. You've never done this before, or even if you have done it before, you've never done it with this baby, and every baby is different. So. It doesn't matter, you could have 12 at home and this next baby could be a completely different kettle of fish and everything that you did with the last ones doesn't work for this one. So it's always like you're, ex- you're ex- sort of exploring the, your relationship with this tiny new human being. And um, like you say, you're learning on the job. It's okay for it to be hard and it's okay for you to not enjoy certain aspects of it and to kind of sit there and go, oh my God, like I just, I just wish I could have some some time to myself or some peace. I just want some sleep or a bath. Like that is so normal and should not have any guilt associated with it, which it very often does. Um, the fourth trimester, there is cert- there are certain things you can do to enhance um, your experience in the first trimester. And we make a plan for birth. And I always, always recommend that my mums make a plan for the postnatal period. Those first the first month especially, but ideally the first three months. Um, probably one of the most important things is to make a plan for your first week home. Not the first week of your baby's birth, because you can be in hospital for two or three days, especially over here. Love a good hospital stay. Um, but you want to kind of make things easy as humanly possible for you and your partner and your baby once you get home. Um, so it's kind of, very simple things like pre-cook all your meals. Just do some batch cooking and chuck it in the freezer. Whether you eat it or not is a different story because you might heat it up and then you'll be breastfeeding or bottle feeding and doing changing nappies and whatnot. Um, but have things, make things as easy as possible for yourself. Um, take into account that if you're planning a vaginal birth, great. But take into account that there may be a situation where you need cesarean section and therefore kind of set your your house up and set your baby's room up and your room up to kind of make mobilizing around and moving around mm. as easy as possible. Um, I always suggest that within the first two to three weeks um, following a vaginal birth that mums see a women's health physiotherapist even if you don't intend to go back to the gym or your like whatever whatever your sport is, um, but waiting for a six week checkup is no good. You need to put your support plans in place mm. long before that. Um, so seeing a women's health physio, if you don't live somewhere where you're lucky enough to have community midwife visits, find yourself. A midwife to come and visit you. There are plenty of options here, um, and it's often quite 
um, expensive if you go through certain certain companies here, which is quite a shame because nobody should really be denied mater- like midwife care just because they don't earn enough money. Yeah, and I think or that puts not- a lot of people off. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, um, because you know some of them are like six hundred dirhams for for an hour visit, but really midwifery support you should be seeing somebody at least three times in the first week in an ideal world and you would for example in the uk Mm. um so some people opt for obviously having a doula um a postnatal doula um which is fine if you've had any sort of complications in your pregnancy and birth i wouldn't recommend having a doula visit you only because we know that those medical issues can continue in the postpartum period yeah first couple of months you know just because you have a baby doesn't mean everything goes away so you want someone who can also assess the sort of medical side of things yeah, absolutely and a midwife is is obviously um trained to do just that um also it's been a bit difficult with covid but kind of finding a support network of mums and it, ha- it is has been really tricky people have been doing you know, WhatsApp groups and things, but there is nothing quite like just sitting opposite another mum and going, oh my God, my baby hasn't slept in three days. This is terrible. And then going, yeah, I know it sucks, doesn't it? You kind of need that, that support from kids. I was so lucky because I met these three girls who were all due around the same time as me at a British uh-huh. event. And then COVID happened and we didn't see each other, but we were, we were WhatsApping and my baby was due yeah. last. And so we were all sharing stuff. And I think on like day four, I was messaging them and I was like, girls, I can't feed her because it's so toe curlingly painful. What can I do? And one of them like sweetly dropped around some nipple cream and was like, use this. That's going to help. And it literally saved my life. And I was so grateful that and we don't even know each other that well, you know, but we'd had this WhatsApp going and we'd all. And we still have it now. And it was, that honestly meant the world to me at that point. Like that was, I mean, it was a game changer. I was so close to just giving up breastfeeding because I was like, this is so painful. And just that small act of kindness, like really helps. So if you can meet some other mums, it's, yeah, it can be, yeah, just so amazing. Yeah. And like, it really helps your mental state of mind like there's you know people say like oh on day three you're gonna get the baby blues and then they'll go away but actually they can last a week Mm. last 10 days like people don't talk about that side of things and you know it's really useful to have those people then you go i felt baby blues yesterday but i feel them today yeah is that normal like you kind of want to see what other people have experienced and um also to just have a sounding board that isn't a midwife or a doctor but another mum yeah who can just say like yeah what you're doing is absolutely great yeah or try this we just tried this with our baby you know try this yeah you know check that out give this a go like in those early days I mean yeah we were just whatsapping 24 7 it's such yeah. random times you know oh yeah like 2am <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean yeah because you're just all you're in the same boat none of you know yeah. what you're doing we've never had a baby before um and it really yeah it's just so lovely to have that little network and obviously you know hopefully as things get better with covid people will feel more comfortable to actually meet up and do stuff you know when I had my baby it was like July so we were all being super careful but it's so lovely just and you don't need loads just a couple Um, yeah quality over quantity exactly exactly and Nikki what are some of your tips for any mums listening that might be about to give birth or have just given birth and are feeling a bit anxious and overwhelmed with the whole thing yeah my tips would be if you are preparing to give birth make a postnatal plan um there's plenty of templates out there 
I'm more than happy to send a template to anyone who sends, drops me a message in my, in, in my, on my Instagram or my email. Um, but having that, it's just as important as having your birth plan. And it covers kind of when you get home as well. It covers immediate time in the hospital, a bit of everything. But again, it's kind of giving you those choices. Mm. And we want to, if you have a positive birth experience, great. But you need to have a positive postnatal experience as well. And also um, arrange midwifery support if that is something that you can facilitate. Mm. Um, there are also plenty of online groups that are moderated by professionals. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this one here, it's called informed birth, I think on yes. Facebook. Yeah. Great. Everything that, that is put in there by the moderator, she's trained as a midwife, you know, it's legitimate stuff. And even if you're just struggling at 3am, you can put a post on there. Yeah. I use, that's Amy, isn't it? Amy Vogler. Uh, yeah. She is amazing. Yeah. Um, She's great. I actually had her on the podcast and she is, I did her baby calm workshop when I was pregnant and yeah yeah she she is so knowledgeable and I actually yeah. used that group a lot when I was pregnant yeah early days and also yeah. you can search for things on there so you don't even have to post mm-hmm. you can search and see because someone might have already posted yeah. about the thing that you're um someone's always wanting a question to you about. want to yeah um and if your feet you've there you're sitting with your baby you're listening to this and you feel anxious or overwhelmed it's normal to feel like that the biggest like tip I can give is do not wait to get support or advice. Even if it's just a one-off consultation or, you know, you just need someone to listen to you. It is always money well spent. Yeah. Because peace of mind, you can't like peace of mind is something that is absolutely invaluable when you're a new mum. And you're there and you're sitting there and you're going, am I doing this right? Oh, is, is this, what's this little mark on the baby, baby's face? You know, like what, what's going on? What's going on with my body? And you can't adequately look after your, your child, your family, if you are like running yourself down into the ground with anxieties, with worry, with stress. So looking after you is looking after them. Yeah. And it's so true. Yeah. Just have a really low threshold for asking for support because everybody needs support. Yeah. And we're so rubbish at that, aren't we? We're so bad at asking for help. Oh, hundred percent. Especially as, as, as mums, as women, you know, it is kind of, we are seen to be like, well, yeah, you've had the baby, but carry on keep doing everything that we were doing before, just doing the baby. Yeah. Great. And, um, you know, we're kind of, especially in a, in a sort of maternal role, you feel like it's your job to look after everybody and do everything and it, but it should never be at the cost of you. And you're not just a mum. I know you have a baby, but you're still you, you're still a woman and everything that mattered to you before still matters. Mm. You're, you just have different, aspects to your life now and I think um if you are struggling in any way always just reach out there are so many great um maternal mental health um facilities here and they're very very in demand Mm. um because we, we lead quite isolated lives I guess as expats here um, yeah, you know, I mean, not- most of us don't have family here. I was very, very lucky because my husband's family live here. Yeah. And I made the decision when I was about two weeks away from my due date to move in with them. And a lot of people were like, why are you doing that? Like, why would you want to move in with your in-laws? Well, first of all, they're lovely. And second of all, like, I'm about to have a baby and my mother-in-law has had six children. So like, she might know a thing or two. <laughs> and it means that... For me, I'm a complete OCD freak in my house. 
and I have certain things I do every morning before I have my cup of tea and I thought I'm going to want to do those with a baby and it's going to stress me out so if I'm at my parents-in-law I just have to get up and look after the baby and me I don't have to think about cleaning I don't have to think about anything and it was the best thing I did because I could just like be in that little bubble and not have to think about putting a wash on and we and we only stayed there 10 days after my baby was born and then we went home but it was so good and I honestly if I if they were to move away and I would have another baby here I'd probably obviously finances not knowing where what what they'd be like but I'd probably stay in a hotel just because when you're at home you just look around and there's always something to clean and do and if you're like me and you're not very good at ignoring that it was so nice to not have to think about that because yeah. I already felt overwhelmed. Yeah, for and sure. I didn't have that to do. So it's almost like you want to simplify your life as much as you can. But that's very difficult when you literally don't have any support here. Like, I'm very yeah. lucky that I have them. Even just getting, um, so like, we're very lucky here in Dubai that we have like, um, you know, maid services and cleaning services. They're very, uh, very heavily utilized here. Mm. Having someone, even if it's like your mother-in-law, your sister, your cousin, like anybody who can come in and just give the house a bit of a once over for you while you just sit down because this um, sleep when the baby sleeps rubbish is, you know, it just doesn't work, especially in those first three months. When the baby sleeps, you then do the laundry, you clean the house, you, you try and have a bath or a shower, you, you know, you might work out. There are so many more things that you do before you sleep, but having somebody using every service available to you is the best advice I can give. Yeah, whether that's outsource family or professional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like if you had a hip replacement, right? You would you would have people coming in. You know, you'd have all your food sorted. You'd have your rehab ready. You'd have everything around the house easy there, easy for you to get to. And you know, it's the same for for um, having a baby. Yeah. Um, finally, I I would say don't wait for the six week OB gynae appointment. This mythical six week appointment, which I'm not really sure what people think happens at this six week appointment. The doctor goes okay, how's this, how's this, how's this? Okay, you're great, you know, yalla bye. But um, waiting for that appointment is is fruitless because six weeks is an awful long time if you have an anxiety or a concern. And babies get a lot of follow-up here, a lot of follow-up. Mums get hardly anything. Oh, my, it's so true. Yeah. And it's... I don't like it when people say, oh, you know, all that matters is like a healthy baby. And I'm like, well, actually, no, a healthy mum and a healthy baby. Yeah, happy mum, happy baby. Exactly. Like that's that's what matters. Yeah. You 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 know, you have a baby, you become a mum. And for for a lot of people, that's their first time doing that. Um, so my advice would be, yeah, outsource as much as you can. And um, don't ever leave it too long to seek help. Yeah. Nothing you ever have an anxiety or a concern about is going to sound silly or, you know, like a pointless question because if it matters to you, it matters. And there are professionals and people here that can help because yeah, trust that instinct. That, yeah. That's what we're trained to do as well. It's never a bother. Someone's like, Oh, I don't want to bother you, but I'm like, well, you're not bothering me. This is literally my job. Yeah. This is what I do every day. And I do it because I love it. You know? Um, but yeah, I think reaching out as soon as you feel an anxiety or any sort of pressure or any sort of negative feelings about anything, just reach out. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I that really helped me in the early days and it's so simple but when she did go down to sleep I would always make sure I had a shower and it literally would make me it would bring me back to life again and I'm a a nice shower not always wash my hair (laughs) 
but like have a shower <laughs> yeah, have a shower and wash my face put mm-hmm. gym jams on I mean I, I lived in gym jams for about four months like I literally yeah. didn't do anything else yeah. but they were nice soft cotton ones and I had a few pairs and I literally I wore them to death but little things like that in those early days can really make a difference like force yourself to get in the shower even if you are dead tired because it yeah. does make you feel a little bit better um, yeah and it's those little things in those early days that really yeah they make a difference I think yeah whatever it is that kind of makes you feel better and makes you feel a bit more you just roll with it just do those things like for some people it's just putting on clothes that aren't pajamas and going around the corner to get a coffee yeah and it's you know it can be as simple as that it can be just when the baby goes down you know watching whatever you like your favorite show on Netflix just for 20 minutes getting a little fix or you know it can be anything but whatever it is stick to it and like just do it as often as you can yeah Um, but I think the most important thing people need to like realize about their fourth trimester just basically getting back home after having a baby and kind of raising that baby is that if it works for you, just do that. Don't think about what other people are doing or how they, you know, fed their baby, like how their baby went to sleep when their baby hit milestones. All you need to do is what works for you and, and your family. Like it's as simple as that. Yeah, so true. We'll be right back after this short break. I want to take a moment to tell you all about Dubai's first and only baby spa, La Bella Baby Spa. La Bella Baby Spa is located in the heart of Dubai Healthcare City and their amazing team are all qualified and certified paediatric nurses. The spa itself is absolutely beautiful and full of gorgeous little details. Mavia and I were lucky enough to experience the La Bella treatment for ourselves recently and I just fell in love with the energy of the place. The spa has four rooms and caters to babies ages one month to one year. The Labella team provide everything from swim diapers, baby wipes, lotion, pampers, towels, and unlimited tea and coffee for us mamas. All four spa rooms are slightly different and super spacious, so you can bring along family members and friends to watch your little one enjoy some serious pampering. Their services include hydrotherapy, where the spa creates a unique experience for your little one by floating in one of their super cute baby jacuzzis. In case you didn't know, hydrotherapy improves muscle strength, coordination skills, cognitive skills, digestion problems, and sleep patterns. They also offer baby massage, including full body massage, including tummy time, therapeutic massage with a focus on special needs and bonding time, and instructed massage. La Bella Baby Spa is an absolute gem and a really special treat for you and your little one to spend some quality time together in a super relaxing environment. Follow the spa on Instagram today at La Bella Baby Spa to find out more and to discover some seriously cute photos. I think this would make the perfect gift for a new mummy or just something you can do with your little one on a monthly basis for some extra special bonding time. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, Nikki, we're going to do a quick fire round now. Okay. So your one piece of advice for first time mums. Um, one piece of advice is do not compare yourself to other mums ever. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, we can't compare ourselves to each other because we're different people. We've had different paths. Every baby is different there's no way you can compare one baby to the next at all. Um, so my, my advice would just be just don't use other mums experiences and knowledge and kind of take the best parts of what they tell you and make it work for you, but do not compare yourself to them. Everyone's different. Your top three tips for creating a positive birth environment. Antenatal education um go to antenatal classes um 
or check out sort of my favorite thing to recommend to mums is the Positive Birth Company. It's online. It's amazing. It's online. It's access. It's it's affordable for everybody. It's um, easily accessible, easy for dads to jump in, and you can just do it at home and at your own leisure. Which at the minute is obviously something at home is you know very much the the site of all our learning and all our sort of work at the minute. Um, antenatal education. Get just get all your options. Get informed. Um, make a birth plan or a birth preferences, whatever you would like to call it, um, and discuss it with your obstetrician, especially if you're, if you're over here in Dubai, you need, to, they need to be on board with it because they can put the kibosh on anything really, um, unfortunately. And you need to make sure that you're all on the same page, make copies, give it to the midwives and use your partner or a doula if if you're going down that road to help you vocalize your preferences mm. with during the labor and the third one is to create an actual physical nice environment in a labor room turn the lights down don't have anyone flicking the lights on if they can't do a vaginal examination with just a small lamp then they shouldn't be doing one at all um, there's no need to put every light in the house on. So nice dim lighting, have nice soothing music or whatever music actually makes you relaxed and happy. And bring some things from home, bring a blanket, bring a pillow. Mm. Anything is from your house, it will have your smell on it and it will be really good for releasing oxytocin. Yeah, I love that. And actually the Positive Birth Company, I use their Freya app. Um yes which is amazing. You can like log your surges, contractions, and it kind of tells you when you're in active labor and in between it plays like really nice, um, relaxing music and affirmations and it's, it's brilliant. Oh, I think it's great. It's, it's just such a great resource. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, your top three essential items for first time mums. Um, I would say nipple cream, the lanolin nipple cream, so you don't have yeah, to that's rub it off. I used. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have to be rubbing it off before you before you feed baby. Even if you're pumping, you can get cracked, sore nipples from pumping. Um, so absolutely, would uh, recommend that. The second thing I'd recommend is actually um, like period pants, big granny pants, but get the ones that actually are designed for postpartum bleeding or for periods and that just means that you're not using loads of maternity pads because they're not the nicest things if you've had any sort of stitches mm. tears me you know why, why would we want a, a sort of a pad down there as well it's synthetic material um and yeah they're, they're great and the big granny pants if you've had a cesarean section they come up nicely to sort of belly button level so there's yeah. no irritation of the of the scar um making yourself as comfortable as possible that way is so important and i think the third one um i would say it's tricky there's so many to choose from. I'm like, oh, what do I suggest? I kind of want to suggest everything. Um, a next to me crib. <laughs> I really think that is one of the best things as a new parent that you can buy. Um, you want that baby rooming in. Rooming in, as we know, is absolutely one of the best things to do for bonding with your baby, especially if you're breastfeeding. Um, but also, um, babies that room in, there's a reduced risk of um, mm. SID. Um, so having that baby next to you in the crib on one of those cots that's attached to the bed means that even when you're at your most exhausted, sometimes you just need to roll over, pop a hand on baby's chest and soothe them and basically making life as easy for yourself as humanly possible. Our baby's still in her next to me crib and she'll be yeah, eight I months old, like in two weeks. So 
Oh, do you know what? If she still fits in it, it's fair play. She still fits in it and she's happy there. And it is just easy in the middle of the night. Sometimes even in my sleep, I just roll over and and I have the sides up now. And it's not even like yeah. attached to the bed. It's just next to our bed. Yeah. And she's quite happy. I reckon she's probably only got another month in there. But it's one of the best things we ever bought. And it's on oh, wheels so we it. can wheel it around the house and rock her yeah. in it. And it's just, yeah, I love it. Yeah, they're fantastic. What's your favorite thing about being a midwife? My favorite thing about being a midwife. Oh my God, that's a hard question. Um, I genuinely um, love kind of that moment when a baby is born and like you just have like mom and dad looking at the baby and looking at each other and you can just see like that entire family just being made right there right there in that second it becomes real for everyone and I love that moment but I genuinely love um supporting women and kind of making sure that women know just how strong they are and how incredible they are and what they do during their pregnancy and beyond you know women juggle so many different things on a daily basis and kind of just reinforcing that strength and kind of reminding them of that through their pregnancy and their birth and afterwards. Um, basically making sure they have all their choices and all their options like they deserve to. That's probably my favorite thing. I really hope Dubai becomes more midwifery led. I really. Oh, I'm trying. It's like a single woman campaign but I'm trying oh I know and you're doing an amazing job I really hope that over time we'll um, get there what is it that they say about midwives you're the guardians of birth is that the saying yeah the angels of birth um okay finally what does motherhood mean to you in three words um I would say evolution Hmm. Um, love and um, what's the right way to what's the right word to use I would say I'd say maybe compassion. Mm. So you basically, you evolve from you to being you as a mom. Um, And I think love is a very basic one, but it's always there. Even in the, like the hardest of situations and very difficult fourth trimesters, the reason we get so anxious and so, worked up about things is because we actually love these tiny little things so much um and compassion because i think when you go through it when you go through motherhood you actually learn and you kind of realize what your mother did for you and like how important that is but also you learn to kind of treat people with a bit more compassion and mums always need to learn to treat themselves with a bit more compassion. So I think that's a really important word. Yeah, I completely agree. Nikki, thank you so much. So people can get in touch with you via your Instagram. Um, yes. And I'll put all your information in the show notes below. Um, but you're mm-hmm. basically on Instagram at the fit midwife, um, yes. aren't you? And your email's there too. So if people wanted to contact you by email. Yeah. Or they can oh, send yeah. you a direct message. Yeah. Um, very easily contactable. <laughs> Amazing. Nikki, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Big thank you once again to Nikki. You can find links to Nikki's Instagram and website in the show notes below. You can also find links below to our social media accounts, including the Friday's Child Facebook community. This is a group I have created in the hope to share positive birth stories along with parenting life hacks tips and tricks, general advice, and much more. And finally, 
I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Friday's Child the Podcast to help us reach more wonderful mummers. Until next time, thank you for listening.